Thank you for downloading this podcast from Bromley Town Church. We pray this message will refresh and encourage you. For further information about Bromley Town Church, you can go to our website, www.bromleytownchurch.com. Hallelujah. Let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to seek your face and for your glory and your presence to be revealed amongst us. Father, we are so grateful that you know us inside and out. You know everything about us. And you know, oh God, exactly what we need. Come and feed us. Holy Spirit, we call upon you. You are our divine connector. You connect us with the throne room of heaven. And we pray even this day, even at this hour, you will connect the throne room of heaven to our hearts that the illumination of the glory of the Father will be made known to us. Lord, come to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm not talking about Elijah. I know. Even I'm sad about that. But maybe for another time. Fortunately, this morning, I've been wrestling this week thinking about what are we going to preach about. This week has been a busy week. Not that that's any reason why I should think like, you know, what am I going to preach on or anything like that. But there's always a sense in which you want to come and you want to say, okay, God, what is it that you have? What are you wanting to bring to these people? What do you want to show us? And last week, Johnny was preaching to us and he preached very well to us. When I got home, I was talking about it to Helen and I, said, I was laughing. So I said, well, you know, there's just one thing I've got to say, actually. What, what was the subject, you see? So I was just saying, what was the subject that Johnny was... Because I knew he was talking about this and I was going through a number of things. What was the actual title? And Helen says, well... You're a fine one to talk. But you know how suddenly things turn? You know, you, know you, do, you think you're making a comment and then suddenly things turn back. You're a fine one to talk. You hardly ever give a subject. Or you do sometimes, but not always. So I realized, yes, that is true. And you know what, this morning? It's another confession. I don't particularly have a subject for this morning. I just felt that God had put a number of things on my heart. There have been, I don't know whether I'm... Well, I'm not going to get through them all this morning, and that's not a problem. But there are a number of things that I just want to be able to talk through. So each one has a heading, so at least I've got some, some of the way there as far as that's concerned. But I just want to talk through a number of things. You know, if you come here this morning, you're looking for like, okay, we're going to open the Bible, we're just going to look at one passage, and that's it, then we're not. We're going to look at several passages. If you have a Bible with you, then during the morning, I expect you can turn to a number of dips and bits and pieces. But we're just going to go through a number of different things, and I, I believe that God will just do what he wants to do amongst us. First of all, I was praying on Friday and I felt God speak to me about this. You have a problem with priorities. So that's our heading. You have a problem. So that includes me and you. We together, we have a problem with priorities. It's not so in heaven. In heaven, they know exactly what they're doing. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. We have a problem. We have a problem with priorities, but it's not that way in heaven. Revelation 4, verse 8. Or oh, let's just go back a little bit, actually. Let's go back to verse 6. This, uh, this passage is talking about the throne in heaven. It says this, Also before the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal, in the centre around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion and the second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth 
was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you have created all things. By your will they were created and have their being. You and I have a problem with priorities. In heaven, the priority is the worship of the Lamb of God. Holy, worthy. That's what the elders and the angels and the great creatures are singing and declaring before the throne of God. Up there, it's almost like, you know, holy, holy. They just finished it, and I think, now what should we do? Oh, holy is the Lord. He is worthy. They suddenly go back into praise. On earth, we give ourselves to praise for periods of time. And then it's quickly, what should we do? What's the priority? What do I need to do? What do I need to attend to? We have a problem with priorities. We have a problem with priorities. The beings in heaven know what the priorities are. Do you remember the story of Mary and Martha, the friends of Jesus? They had a brother called Lazarus. Jesus often went to their house. You can read about them in Luke chapter 10. Let me just read a little bit to you so you get the story. Luke 10, 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. There's an example on earth of what is going on in heaven, where the priority is being put right. The priority for our lives, as Jesus said in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will be added to you. But the important point is that we are prioritizing our lives towards the praise of his name. Otherwise, other things catch in upon us. Other things take over our lives. Other things preoccupy us. I was fascinated when I was reading this. Look what it says about Martha. She was distracted. Well, we know what distraction is, don't we? But you know what? She wasn't distracted by things that weren't of value in her world. Because it says there, 
Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. A bit difficult. They had to be made. They were supposed to be being done. They needed to be attended to. So it wasn't as though there weren't things that were real and were necessary and important. And she was giving herself to those things. But the problem is those things prioritized her life. That's what became her life. It wasn't that she was disinterested in Jesus. She'd invited him into her home. So it wasn't that she was ignoring him. She wasn't rejecting him. She wasn't trying to push him away. Well, how many of us here would say, hey, we're in church. We're not trying to push Jesus away. What is the priority that we are giving to him? Are we distracted by many things that need to be done? And does our world and the system of our world and the things of our world really get hold of us and encroach upon us and distract us to the point where we start, oh, these people, all they're spending all their time praying. What's all, what's all that about? What's all that about? I mean, it's good to pray, but for goodness sake, we've got to get this stuff done. This is important. You know what? If Jesus was here, just like Martha, she goes up, Listen, Jesus, will you get this sorted out? There's a lot that needs to be done here. There's a lot that needs to be prioritised. You know what goes on. People still need to eat, you know. You know the conversations that we have and the things that we make, just normal life, the stuff that we go through. She was explaining this to Jesus, and Jesus, and I think you can hear it, because he doesn't just say Martha. He says, Martha, Martha. You know what it's like when you're dealing with somebody that's a bit uptight? doesn't only happen in my household, does it? And I've got my mother-in-law here, so I'm being on my best behavior this morning. I really am. That's why there's so much confession, because it's just to keep, it, keep things open, out, honesty, transparency. But you know, you just say, you use that Martha, Martha. Hang on a second. Mary has chosen the highest priority. What was the highest priority? She was at the feet of Jesus. I know that there's work to be done. If you come around to my house, there's decorating. There's a list of stuff that needs to be done. You know what? Perhaps I'm praying that Jesus will come back before most of that needs to be accomplished. That's a cop-out. I agree. There's stuff that needs to be done. But there is a priority in heaven that needs to become the priority of us on earth. It is the worship of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. The word of God says, be still and know that I am God. Without that priority being built within us, there is distraction that comes upon us ever more easily. You know, last week we had a week of prayer. And I'm not sharing this in any way to upset or offend or discourage anybody. Week of prayer. So the idea was we're coming together to pray so that we can pray through Christmas and the pressure of Christmas, which we've been doing. And it's been great to have uh, several things. I got here on Monday, and I know that I said, look, it doesn't matter if anybody doesn't come. I was here by myself on Monday morning, and I thought, like, oh, my Now, actually, I have to say also, I was really pleased about that because it meant you can just pray. One thing I have found is that having to get out of bed and come somewhere, and it's irrelevant about whether anybody else is here, and there were plenty of other people here during the week, 
in case you're worried about that. It's the fact that you make it an aim, I need to do this. Because you know when you're tired at home, you know, and sometimes I do this, sometimes I'm praying on the carpet because it just feels a little bit more spiritual. But it also enables you to slumber when you're sleeping on the carpet. You know, sometimes you oh, I'm feeling so tired, I'll just lay down here because I'll get closer to God. <laughs> but it doesn't work like that. You end up falling asleep, and that's not what you want. But when you're here, you've had to get out of bed, you're in the car, you come down to the church, you're in the church, you think, like, right, I'm here. Well, I guess I best pray. And you pray. What I notice is, is pressing in in prayer starts to draw his presence. It becomes a priority. Now, the urgency of our hearts is we desire his presence. There's a price to pay to gain his presence. He has done everything to make it available to us, but you know what? We have to reach up to grasp hold of it, to draw it unto ourselves. Otherwise, we get caught up like Martha. Oh my goodness, there's so much to be done. Oh look, I know I need to pray, but quick, we've got to get this food. And I, look, I can't watch the pots in the kitchen as well as lay the table and whatever we've got to do. And oh, I'm getting distracted by all this stuff. Mary has chosen the better thing. We have a problem with priority. Okay, I'm just going to talk about something else. I want to go to the parable of the sower. A bit of a nightmare in my notes. I see I haven't even got noticed where it is in the Bible. So, that doesn't really matter. Listen, I've been thinking about this. There are things that distract us in our lives that keep us and prevent us from pressing into the purposes of God. The thing about our faith is this. Jesus has overcome everything and he has done everything to set us free from every bondage and every limitation. There is nothing that has not been accomplished on the cross that cannot be made relevant in our lives to set us free from anything that is distracting. You know what? We talk about distractions and we know we get distracted. I was thinking about this. Why do I get distracted? Why do I get pulled away? What is it that pulls away? And something came to me. We feed things to keep them alive. Babies, we feed them. Why? Because we want them to grow up. We want to keep them alive. So we feed them. What about children? Teenagers. My goodness, teenagers raid the cupboard, don't they? They need they're like a bottomless pit, pouring stuff into them. Why do we feed them? Because we want them to grow up. Why do we care for ourselves? Because we want to keep ourselves alive. Why do we, if we've got an open fire at home, some people have an open fire, especially at this time of year, you sort of get it going again, it's great, that lovely warm, and you look at the fire and it's something entertaining. As, you know, but you have to feed the fire with wood or with coal to keep it going. We feed things to keep them alive, to keep them going. If there's distractions in our lives, the truth is we are feeding them to keep them alive. Now, I know that the next problem is, well, what distractions, what things? But whatever they are, and God reveals them to us over time and when it's necessary, we know this, that we are feeding them and we are keeping them alive. What we need to learn and to see with God's help 
is that he will show us the things that distract us, that are taking us off course, and he will give us the grace to be able to say no. Give us the grace to be able to reject them. Give us the grace to be able to put them to one side. In the parable of the sower, Jesus talks about a sower who went out, a farmer who went out and was sowing his seed, and the seed fell upon different types of ground. The seed fell on the pathway where it was trampled on and where birds came and snatched it away. The seed fell on what is called rocky soil. Well, in actual fact, it wasn't rocks. It was soil that looked like soil, but underneath the soil there were rocks. So in actual fact, any seed that went there could put down very short, very shallow roots. And the seed that fell on that soil was withered up. It withered up quickly because there was no, it was dry and there was no moisture there. Seed also fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked it, and therefore it was unproductive. And then also some seed fell on what is described as good soil, and when it fell on the good soil, it was then able to produce a harvest of different types of measure, right up to a hundredfold measure. It's interesting, we have one seed, and yet we have four different outcomes. And statistically, there's a 75% chance, as it were, of restriction or failure for the seed to accomplish what it needed to accomplish. And there's a 25% chance that it falls in the good soil. And as the, after having told this parable, Jesus went on to his disciples, and they questioned him about it, said, Jesus, unpack this. Give us some understanding of exactly what is behind this parable. And he says, well, the seed is the word of God. The seed is God's word. Man shall not live only on bread, but also on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We need the word of God. We need that seed. We need to receive that seed. And we need to prepare our hearts because we know that Jesus said to his disciples, the seed that fell on the pathway, that is like the word of God that comes to you But if you do not understand it, if you can't grasp hold of it, if you can't take it into yourself, then the devil himself comes to snatch it away from you so that it will not produce anything. It's taken away from us. It's snatched away from our lives so that it disappears from us and it cannot produce anything at all. It is literally crushed, trampled as that seed was on the pathway. It's interesting there, just to note as an aside, how the enemy is always wanting to kill, steal, and destroy. Always. Never, ever get to the point where you think that the enemy isn't that bad. His task is always wanting to kill, to steal, and to destroy everything. The word of God coming to you, he wants to snatch it away. When you're seeking to understand God, this is why we need to press in and press in on the purposes of God because the enemy keeps on wanting to take stuff away from us. Then some of the seed fell on that shallow soil, that which had rock underneath. So as it falls on that soil, it starts to grow. It starts to produce something. It starts to, to, to get larger and larger and starts to come up. But it says in the Bible, when testing times come, then it fails. It gives up. And that can happen to us. We receive the word of God. We're saying, yes, we want this. We want this. Yes, I do want this. But then it starts to get hard. 
Some difficulties happen at work. Some problem happens at home. Some frustrations come upon you. And suddenly we're starting to wrestle with it. Oh, do I really want to trust this word? Is this word of God going to take me forward? I don't know about that. And as the times of testings come, we find that the root that we have is not going down. We need roots to keep us going. All plants need deep roots. The deeper the roots, the more nutrients they can get up the more stable they are in wind and things like that. It's the same for this plant. There was not very much root, and so when the testing time came, then it just gave up. The third seed fell among the thorns, and Jesus said the thorns represent those that hear the word and receive it, but they continue to live with other things growing in their lives, other distractions. I suddenly thought, this is what we do. This is exactly what we do. This is what was going on with Martha's life. There were other things that were distracting her. High priority was no longer the first thing being the kingdom of heaven, the things of God in all circumstances. To continue to put him first. Whether you're worried about circumstances at work, whether you're worried about your child going to fail that exam, or whatever the thing is, we need to trust in God always, and prioritize our faith in Him. He is in control of all circumstances. He is able to deliver us. He is able to help us. Do you remember Paul and Silas? We talk about this often. They were in the jail. I was reading that in Acts this week, just coming upon that story. And you know, you're getting Paul and Silas, they're on this mission, and they're going various places, but the doorways keep shutting. I hadn't really put this together. But you know, you're reading about the doorway shutting. There wasn't an opening here. There wasn't an opening there. Where are we going to preach the gospel? And then one night, Paul has a dream. And in the dream, he has this. There was a man of Macedonia, and I saw him beckoning to me, come over and help us. So Paul wakes up that morning. Silas, God, we've got it. We've got the dream. And they said, we reckon God's speaking to us. That's a lesson to us anyway, because we get dreams and stuff, and we think like, oh, I'm not quite sure what to do about this. Paul acts on it. God's speaking to us. We need to take note of that. Let's go to Macedonia. They go to Macedonia, the doorways start to open up. God is on the move. Let's just keep that in your mind. God is on the move. Everything is looking rosy. Whereas it had been hard, whereas we weren't able to get breakthrough, whereas we didn't know where we were going to go to, now God is opening the doorways and we're being able to find the way through. And then they go there. They go to what is described as the place of prayer outside Philippi. So outside the walls, obviously there was a quiet place. There was a place known of prayer. It's interesting, known as the place of prayer, but not necessarily Christians there. Because they went and they shared with a woman called Lydia, who was a seller of purple goods. She went there. You know what? A lot of people like to go to a place of prayer, but they don't know about Jesus Christ. They like quietness, stillness, meditation. They like that because there's, they want a connection. Because the heart of man desires connection and to worship something. We were made to worship. People sometimes want to go to a place of stillness because they want to find some connection with something. And there was this woman there who was looking for connection with something and Paul and Silas preached to her about salvation in Jesus Christ. And she is saved. Not only is she saved, she becomes their next best guest house because she says, look, guys, I want you to come and stay with me. If you consider me to be now a Christian, come and stay with me. 
She obviously had enough space in her house. The man from Macedonia beckoning, the woman getting saved, somewhere to live, and now they're going around and they're preaching. They go, they go often to this place of prayer to share because Paul and Silas, they don't know what's going on. They're just trying to trust God. God seems to be doing something here. There's rather an annoying slave girl that keeps following them around and saying, these men are men of the Most High God. They've come to tell you the way of salvation. I don't know about you, but I thought to myself, Paul, that's not such a bad thing, is it? To have a continual advertising campaign going on behind you, it's not such a bad thing, really. They're telling people the truth, after all. But it wasn't that. It's because there was a demonic oppression over this girl. And at one point, Paul just says, I've had enough of this. In the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. There's power in his declaration. And the girl's set free. She's set free. That's another good thing. People being set free, people becoming Christians, God opening up the doorways. But we know that the slave owners, that's their livelihood now gone out the window. Everything suddenly gets turned on its head. Paul and Silas are in jail. When they're in jail, they get severely beaten. Then stop for a minute. What what we feel like? Severely beaten? When everything had been going so well, was it the right thing? Is that the point where you suddenly start backtracking? Hang on, hang on. Was I really right? Was that dream interpretation right? Look, we've been to other places and people get saved. Am I really sure that God's doing the right thing? What would we be like? What are our priorities? When our priorities come under pressure, what happens to us? Do we start to buckle and do we start to fail? Do we start to get distracted? Do we start to worry Jesus? Jesus, do you know what's going on here? For goodness sake. As if we need to remind him about where we are and what we're doing and what we're saying and what we're thinking because he is the all-knowing one who is everywhere present, who knows all things. But we do, nevertheless, tell him what he needs to know. And we worry about things. But not Paul and Silas. Because they remained steadfast. Whatever the circumstances, whatever is going on, we declare you are great. Before midnight, in the jail, Paul and Silas were singing hymns and giving praise to God. Why? Because they were men who had confidence that God knew exactly what he was doing. That he is in charge. They had the priority of heaven written upon their hearts on earth. And therefore they had a security. They were able to trust him. Sure we know the end of the story. Sure we know now that just after midnight... Wow, there's a clap of thunder that all the jail doors open. Why? Because God had purposes. He had purposes for the life of the jailer. He had purposes for the family of that jailer. He wanted to see them saved. But there was a price to be paid. Paul and Silas just had to keep walking and holding on to the purposes of God, keeping their focus. You know, if we'd have jumped from the story of Paul in, in this jail in Philippi, like going back to, to Joseph, the difference between the two is that Paul and Silas only had one night. Whereas poor old Joseph had years in a jail. 
So it's not always the same, like, hey, let's just look at this. Without God, it's only one night in the jail cell. No, it's not. Without God, it is the level of trust and purpose that we have in him, that that we're looking to him to say, look, God, you know exactly what you are doing with my life. I have no need to be afraid because you know what you are doing. The more we let go of our lives, the more we stop trying to control our lives, the more that we stop trying to predict what is going to happen and trust in him that he will do what he has promised he will do. What has he promised? He has said, I will lead you and guide you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. He has declared it. Because he is looking to raise up a people who will display his glory in the earth. God wants the glory for himself. He is not interested in us trying to take that glory away from him. The glory belongs to him. You know, I was looking, and I'm sorry, I know I'm jumping around here a little bit. I was looking at the reason, what is it, why do we not get our prayers answered? Why is it sometimes we give our hearts to pray and we don't always see our prayers answered? You know, in James it talks about the fact that, and I might just turn to it. In James chapter 4, I think. Yes, in James chapter 4, it says, you, you want something but you don't get it. You kill and covet but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have, it says, because you do not ask. And we think, whoa, no, no, hang on a second, we've been asking. We've been asking. But then it goes on to say that when you ask, you do not receive. Oh. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motive that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, because it's got the word pleasures there, you think like, okay, I am just wanting to get things for my own enjoyment. But I look at it like this. It's so that I can receive the reward. Notice that there is a reward when we come to prayer. Because it says you... You get what you spend. No, let me read it again. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get. If you're being able to spend what you get, there is a rece- you're receiving something. When you get money, you're receiving something. You can go and buy something for yourself. So when we're praying, it is a sense in which there is a credit that is coming to us because God is faithful and he desires to answer our prayers. But you see, sometimes that credit can't be released to us because we're wanting to spend that credit to increase ourselves. Let's jump back to our story with the parable of the sower. The seed of God is coming. It comes onto soil, not described as bad soil. It comes onto soil where there are other Things growing. Thorns. Thistles. What do those thorns represent? They represent the things of this life because it says the seed is actually choked off by life's worries, 
riches and pleasures. In our lives, one of the reasons that we don't always receive the answers to our prayers is because we are feeding other things that are growing up like thorns, that are choking out what God wants to do. There is a priority in heaven that needs to become our priority on earth. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then Jesus says, and all of these things, and he's been talking about food and clothing and the things that we get worked up about. I expect ladies, some of you were a little worked up about what you should wear last night. You all looked amazing, so you did excellently. But we do worry about such things. What do people think? Listen, he wants the glory. He wants the glory. It doesn't, it's not supposed to come to us. And therefore, we're doing things that try to feed those things. Well, I'll do this so I can look all right. I'll manage this. I will get back in charge. I will look after these things. Really, what we're doing is we're keeping alive. We're actually feeding the thorns and the thistles in our life that grow up to choke out the Word of God. And then we start living lives that are half-hearted. We can't quite break through. It's like, yes, I'm a Christian, but you know what? Yeah, well, God sometimes doesn't do those things. We, as a people, need to prioritize the worship and the adoration of the King of Kings. That our lives are focused upon Him. I've been looking at the life of Smith Wigglesworth, which is a story I'll go into at another time, but one of the things that has greatly encouraged me, just looking at a life of a guy who's had amazing things happen. He had amazing healings. He went out preaching the gospel, saw great things happen. Great things happen. You know, as you're reading between the lines, in this book I was reading, it just gives an insight into some of the things in his life. He was always to be found in the Word of God. You can't get away from it. You cannot get away from it. Man does not live on bread only. If you are seeking to have your three meals or two meals or one meal of, of porridge and oats and fruit or whatever you might have sorted out for your life, whatever you're seeking to live on that only and you are not investing in the word of God, you are feeding thorns. You are feeding thistles. Because the word of God declares to you, man shall not live on bread only. He needs to live off the seed of the word of God. Wigglesworth gave himself to the word of God. The other thing that really encouraged me is this. Whenever he felt the slightest presence of the Holy Spirit, he would withdraw to seek to commune with the Holy Spirit. Now I find that encouraging. Because here's a guy you think like, well, he's got it wrapped up. He knows what he's doing. He had to withdraw. He sought to be tender-hearted. He sought to be open in his life. He sought to keep, him, keep himself alert and awake and listening to the Holy Spirit. If he did that, 
how much more do we need to train ourselves to do that? Otherwise, we just become a people that say like, well, God speaks to others, but he doesn't speak to me. Listen, God wants to speak to every single one of us. God wants to raise us up as mighty men and women of God, not just the preacher at the front or somebody else who's got some profile. Every person has a purpose here in this room, has a mandate that has been written for you in the heavenly places that God himself is desiring that you should fulfill for him. That's his side. And he is so desperate, he sent his son to make sure that sin was never going to be a reason why we should not be able to fulfill it. And not only that, he sent his son to overcome every power of darkness, to know that for us to fulfill our mandate, the powers of darkness were not going to be able to stand in the way because he has given us authority in the name of Jesus to overcome. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We need to get the priority of heaven into us on earth. We need to stop trying to keep alive the thorns and the thistles that choke the work of God in our lives. We need to be able to say no to the distractions. Do you not think that it was hard for Martha to actually hear that word from Jesus, it was. Because as far as she was concerned, I'm just going about my business. I'm just trying to do the things that need to be done. I cannot understand my sister's attitude. In fact, Jesus, you need to tell her to come and help me. She is full of this stuff. That doesn't just drop away overnight. Oh, Jesus has spoken. That makes it all all right then. Sometimes it does. Many times it doesn't. But if we give ourselves to the priorities of heaven, what's happening in heaven? Oh, there it is. The elders have suddenly got up again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They're worshipping the Lamb because they know that he was slain for the salvation of every one of us. He is worthy to take all honour, thanksgiving and praise. Let's prioritise. Let's prioritise. Let's seek to bring the priority of heaven into our lives here. This week. This week. Don't put off. Let's embrace it. Do we need change? What sort of soil do we want to be in our lives? Let's ask that question. What sort of soil do you want? Do you, you know, hands up those who want to be like the pathway. Oh. Well, well, hands up those who want to be like that falling on the rock. Well, hands up those who want to be crowded out with the thorns and thistles. I didn't think so. But hands up those who want to be the good soil where the seed comes and produce a harvest of righteousness. Hallelujah. If there's a 75% declaration in the word of God that that's a tough place to get to, then we know there's some work to press through. But we can give ourselves to him. We can prioritize our lives afresh. He is more than able and more than ready to help us that we may break through with him. Let's pray.
in the love of Jesus. Father, we give worship to you. Holy Spirit, please, please take us from the numbness of our hearts to what is going on in heaven where there is vibrancy of worship. Take us to that place, O oh God. Awaken us from every form of slumber. Lord, do not allow distraction, confusion, boredom to take hold of our lives. But let us be more than overcomers in the name of Jesus. Help us to arise in you, O oh God, to be strong in you. Lord, even today, let new decisions be made, Father, in our hearts to reprioritize our lives before you. Help us to make the changes that are necessary. Help us, O oh Lord, to surrender our lives, that, Father, that we may walk in your way. Lord, we ask that you would do it amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or you're after more information about Bromley Town Church, do visit our website, www.bromleytownchurch.com.